This episode of Casa de Cambio is brought to you by our friends at Mansa Wines. Mansa Wines are offering 30% off individual bottles and make your own dozens, plus they're going to throw in free freight Australia-wide. Just use the code CAMBIO, that's C-A-M-B-I-O, for that 30% discount at www.mansawines.com.au. Welcome to Casa de Gumbio. Today, my guest is none other than Stella Chan, and we are also recording a very special episode of the podcast from Singapore. Welcome, Stella. Thank you for having me, Tash. This is my third podcast as well, so I'm very nervous and excited. Oh, don't be nervous. Uh, you're going to do great. And I always get nervous before uh, every podcast, and this is probably my fourth or fifth one. So I think it's quite normal to be a little bit nervous. Um, so Stella, we worked together at Telstra. You were my project sponsor on a very recent project. Um, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about what you do at Telstra and maybe your career history? Definitely. So um, I, what I'm doing at Telstra now is I am actually managing their um, marketing technology platform or stack. And uh, my role is to look after all the technology that is related for marketing and um, in particularly for B2B market as well. So this is a global platform. Uh, this is new technologies and everything happening new um, to the environment of marketing. Um, so it's very funny and exciting all the time because you have to learn lots of new things. It is a very exciting place to work and a space to be in. Um, and... What is a great piece of career advice you've received that you'd like to share? Mm. Well, I actually, uh, in my career, basically I've gone through three different stages and for each of them I learned something new. But if you ask me what's the piece that I think is more applicable to what I'm doing today or help me to be who am I today, I would say it's always um, look for something new. Um, learn new things every day yes. and uh, for whoever you work with um, no matter is a good person or not so good person there's always a piece of thing you can learn from that person so I think it's really important that you appreciate the chance to learn rather than to complain or why it's not working and that not working so that's my attitude and I join learning every day yeah that's great and sometimes you're absolutely right um, you can learn a lesson in what not to do or a lesson in how a particular type of behaviour might impact on a team or impact people, as well as learning new skills and learning really positive things as well. It all helps. That's great. Um, and what are you watching on TV or reading or any podcasts you're listening to? <laughs> um, I don't have a lot of interest around this arts artistic stuff I would say <laughs> <laughs> I'm more like a science person and that's why um, what I love to watch is actually Sherlock Holmes so I love Sherlock all, Holmes correct I love all sort of uh, Sherlock Holmes series um, programs the one BBC the one with um, is that Benedict Cumberbatch of course yeah yes. who plays Sherlock Holmes yeah, yeah the BBC definitely. nice yes nice and and, uh, and actually um, I visited London two years ago did you yes I and I purposely go to that Baker stations just to check out you know in the um, MTR station on the platform they actually have the shape of the Sherlock Holmes like um, as a part of the design I didn't and know I, that yeah they do and I actually particularly went to the place where he stay and tried to take some photos like I've never been 
been a fan, but I will claim myself Sherlock Holmes fans. Yeah, right. And did you read any of the books or watch any of the other movies? Because there's been quite a few like older movies and series of it as well. Yeah, definitely. So um, like uh, Elementary is another one that you can find on Flex, Netflix. And that elementary. is a yeah, Elementary is actually an American version of it. Ah, fantastic. They yeah. always like to make American versions of things, don't they? Yeah, but they are very... It happens to be a very, very extreme different characters. But is I think what attracts me the most is the investigation, how you actually put your observation around the details for you to figure out what exactly is going to happen or to predict or to find out the rules. I think this is a, a way of also part of my skill. So if you more learn more from all these like different dramas or programs, basically you will know, okay, everything. When you do diagnosis, particularly for... Um, technology stuff that we're mm. working then you have to look at oh what's the rules what are the thing cost these and that but i think it's just interesting it's so interesting to watch all these and always find out there is a surprise ending or there's a different reason to lead to the reason that you believe so all these are so good yeah yeah great that's a really good um analogy about technology and and why you like scientific shows do mm. you like other crime shows because there's a lot of procedural crime shows that have a lot of science in them. Yeah, I do, but not as much as Sherlock Holmes. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I actually start uh, learning about Sherlock Holmes when I was in secondary. There are some books around Sherlock Holmes and Watson's and all these characters. And since then, I just fall in love with it. And there is another Chinese um, series, is a book, um, but also they are similarly like what Sherlock Holmes is. Uh, and also I'm very into it when I was younger. So the Chinese version as well as the western or english version of Sherlock Holmes is what i'm after oh fantastic i love that um so what we're going to talk about today is is marketing an art or is it science what do you i I think you might be leaning more towards the science side Mm. do you think it's an art or do you think it's a science well i think um first of all i am not coming from a traditional marketing background which um I would say most of the case, people will consider it as being more an art. Um, I'm coming actually, if just going back to um, you know a peak of what how I come to the positions that I'm today. Mm. I started with sales, and then I do sales operation, and then I do marketing and marketing operations. So I'm more onto like how to use data analytics and such things in order to drive the result which uh, right now if you look at marketing and digital marketing right um, thanks to the gadgets that we have with us every day um, Mm. the mobile and consider if you are the buyers um, instead of you go out and shop now what you do you google it and then to decide where you go and shop right Mm. so all these have changed the behavior and that's why the scientific or science part of uh, the marketing comes through and that's what I'm um, very very interested in doing it because with my sales background back in the old days it's always you call call customers you sell to them it's more like a face-to-face activities nowadays it's all changed right people will not go to a sales before they actually google um, search it um, for, for the competitive information before they actually speak to the salesperson yeah so you now know the fact that you are designing the path of how you um, create a journey for your customers to land into the funnel of your salesperson and therefore you will help to create all this wave going into the funnel and then they will use the traditional way and all this to close it. So to me, 
first of all, to answer your questions, I think uh, I won't say it's a pure art or science from marketing perspective. But over time, I can see there are more and more uh, science elements inject into the traditional uh, marketing. Cool. Yeah, I know what you mean about um, doing all the research online because usually by the time you know I get to the point where I'm going into a store or I'm on the company's website, like I'm ready to buy. Mm. I've already you know eighty percent made my decision. But then it's also surprising how badly people can stuff it up because I'm like I'm here with my money. I want to buy the product, and you know, you're not selling me the product, or you don't have it, or. Yeah, very interesting, fascinating. And it's changed so much in such a short period of time as well. Yeah, definitely. And not just, um, you know, you may consider B2C like us, we are consumer, right? So mm. it has impact a lot. Like, oh, you go to this website to buy a shirt and then they recommend you a pair of pants, all these comes together, right? But even in the enterprise world, which I'm operating B2B, nowadays there is a very, very finite of the customer experience that B2C versus B2B, right? Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much using your personal experience as a consumer and apply it into your digital world that you're receiving on the enterprise side. So if there is like, okay, there is a portal that you go to for your work and you pretty much think, oh, it should be as intuitive as you're using like a um, buying buying portal or any kind of portal that you're using in your consumer life so that's why um it's hard it's hard to say oh um nowadays uh is it a b2c experience or is it a b2b to me it's all the same because we are actually applying it to both mm, yeah no that's great um and so i might take a step back from that and ask you um one thing i've heard you talk about a lot when we work together is marketing automation so mm. could you explain what is marketing automation yeah so um marketing is marketing and automations i think is all about how you can use technology to um help you to do your work usually it's a business process or some kind of a platform that actually you can automate it for example um in the past when you use when you do marketing, you do direct mailing, you mm-hmm. have to print out the letter and then you have to send it, blah, blah, blah. So it's all manual. So automation, one of it is, has been widely deployed by marketing is used EDM, so mm. electronic direct mailing. Yeah. So instead of printing it out, put it into an envelope and stamp it, now you actually use the EDM to do it. So mm. this is one of the ways that you can see marketing automation. In my mind, marketing automation is actually a much wider concept of it so it's not just about how you execute which is as we said is about oh printing out or not printing out sending it through electronic format to me automation is about the entire life cycle so when i when i talked earlier about the customer experience or journey so automation to me is how you actually create a journey how you actually guide them through each of the steps of their buying journey and create that experience for them and therefore you will be able to know whether you are doing your work effectively or not and most importantly it change your direction whenever you want it mm. yeah awesome and so is marketing currently being changed or influenced by ai um yes um in many forms many ways um, again, is more widely used as in the consumer market because I think uh, one of the um, characteristic about AI is they need to do machine learning, right? Mm. So when the machine has to learn, that means they need to have the critical mass for them to learn to the perfection. 
and with that, consumer market seems to be um, easier to do that. However, I also recently see some use cases, as in the enterprise level, that I think is also considered using AI, which is quite amazing and fascinating for the future development of marketing. In fact, yeah. Do you think marketing will be disrupted by AI, or is being disrupted, or? No, I don't think marketing will be disrupted by AI.、Mm. Instead of saying disrupted, I would say they will be enabled by AI. Yeah. In a way that,、um, for example,、um, we just talk about、um, how people use AI or machine learning in enterprise. One of the user case is about content AI. So what I learned is、um, right now, you know, there are so much out there about content marketing. So it's really important you have a right piece of content. To the right audience at the、mm. right time about the right thing, right? So、yeah. even on the right platform that you have social media, you have other different media or digital.、Right? Yeah, I、so、get really annoyed when I don't when I get marketed to incorrectly. Like、um, most people who know me, I don't have children, but I get emails from my local supermarket saying, "Do you want to buy some nappies? <laughs> We've got baby wipes," and I'm like. You guys should know that I don't have a child based on what I buy from the supermarket, and you know what time I buy and the type. Like you know, I just think, why can't you, you know, send me? Although they always send me emails when chips go on sale too, so they do know a little bit about me. <laughs> but I think they could be doing better in that sense. Well, this is a perfect example,、mm. right? So, if the machine learning, the AI, basically use all the data regarding your purchase、mm. pattern, they should know what you, what are your favorites, and what you like, what you don't, they and they know my income, my age, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so they should they should be able to customize that piece of information. So where I see the AI comes in is because content marketing is so important. As as you have rightly pointed out, people look for personalization. So every piece of content has to be with the right tone, everything right. Otherwise, you just see it as a junk, and you get all these junk every day. And therefore, for the piece of right information to stand out, is really important that they carry a message that hit your heart, basically.、Mm. So to do that, AI can have a very 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 good. Um, play, have a good、uh, place to play because they can do all these things by learning all the data, and consider yes, again this is more consumer. But going back to the enterprise world,、um, there are still lots of content out there that we need to communicate with enterprise、um, consumers, and therefore. Um, if we want to do the right thing and focus on the narrative that you can stand out from your competitors, and focus on the journey you create using the intelligence or the art science of the art side of marketing, and therefore you will leave the AI bit to do the scientific part, which is based on your instructions, your narrative, all the thinking, all the cosmetic, but put it in a way that people love to receive. So this is how I see. That's why I won't say、um, science is overtaking art. It's more like how they comes together and make it perfect.、Hmm. And I wanted to、um, add a note to something you said earlier. You were talking about, you know, emails and automated, you know, electronic direct messages. Did you know that? And this is an Australian thing. I don't know if it's a thing here in Singapore or in Hong Kong where you're from, but actual、um, printed mail, so letters, people are more likely to look at. A printed mail or a letter, because people get so many emails in their junk mail now. Did, was that something you were aware of? Yeah, definitely. I think,、mm. especially for、um, for some 
um, users which may not have access to their gadgets every day, um, especially those you know elderly people. They may not even mm. how to use like, yeah. their computer. So print the message or print the bills is still um, highly required in this location. However, think about this is a transformation for us. Mm. I always say like when people talk about transformation, in my mind I think yes, it is not transforming your customer. You are transforming yourself because we are coming from the environment that we have analog mm. and or transition into digital. Mm. But look at all the millennials, the new the new generation. They don't have the mindset about analog at all. For them, everything is digital. So it's all about how fast we can move towards that fully digital world. But I think the pace will just pick up faster and faster because we are driven by the um, power bias, which is the millennials group. Yeah. You're right. I hear stories about millennials not knowing how to send a letter and not realizing they need to go to the post office and buy a stamp and, you know, wondering what post boxes are for and yeah. all of these funny stories. <laughs> and I think, oh, it wasn't that long ago that things were completely different. Yeah. But yeah, there's generations of people who have grown up in the digital age and don't know yeah. anything else. So, um, in a way, we reveal our age group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're kind of in both yeah. adopting the technology. Yeah, we are transformer, that's why. <laughs> but also remembering the way things used to be. Like I have a fifteen year old um cousin, he's also my godson and I say and I go when I as soon as the thing leaves my mouth, I go, Oh God, you're so old and I said, you know, I used to have to ask to use the telephone when I was a kid if I wanted to call my friend, like because we had one phone and he just looks at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so back to marketing. Um so what are some of the trends you think we're going to see in the next few years with marketing automation? Yeah, one thing is about, we talk about how your content stand out, how you can use the data that you have collected in order to customize that journey and make sure that the message hit the heart of your audience, right? So I think everyone is talking about big data, big data. But again, um, literally people will think about how you use your own data. Mm. And, but my thinking around data is, um, it's not about how you use your data because you, you collect the data, you pretty much know what the patterns look like. But I think it's more important that how you leverage third-party data like what we call intent data, which means, um, you know, there are some platforms or providers out there actually is collecting your footprint, not just mm. to the website that your company operates, but outside of that. Mm. And therefore, they will be able to gather it and put it together and kind of uh, shape what that buying journey look like or what that person look yeah. like. So this is not just because you, you probably just buy, as you said, like all these with the supermarket, but you can buy something else from another, I know, grocery shop. And therefore what they do is they don't just look at what you buy from supermarket, but also they look at where you purchase from the grocery shop or flowers and blah, 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 and combine them together and tell your overall or holistic view of your buying behavior. Yeah, or what someone in a particular demographic, how they will be Correct. likely to behave and therefore how can we apply that data knowledge and that learning to what we're doing. Yeah, great. Exactly. So this is where I see the data, the science part of data will come in is um, expanding, you know, not just about internet of things, but expanding it to a way that you can um, use a primary data um, and also third-party data to combine and get it more clear shape of what you're looking for. So this is a way, I think, um, especially for enterprise, because enterprise, um, 
it's hard sometimes just because it's not individual behavior it's an account behavior if mm. you understand what i mean mm. because um in the buying journey of an enterprise now often there are so many different people that will influence the buying decision they could be a c level they could be it level they could be a user level mm. you know so sometimes it's just hard for a salesperson to be in touch with so many different people different roles but then if these intent data or third party data can pretty much like combined all the different roles or different people who actually under the same domain or same company and you can see okay there are 20 people in this company actually is working towards something and uh, you can set some rules in a way that if five people hit the same um, term it comes out as a valid thing right so you can mix those through so it is a lot easier from a from a sales perspective because right now you are collecting this information and in no way in the past that they can collect that information yeah yeah good um and are there any old school marketing methods that you think might be on the way out that people won't be using anymore in a few years um i won't say there's anything uh, as a matter of fact i think um most of the traditional marketing things has to continue just like branding right so it's a matter that the digital side is helping them to find the right avenue and right channel to deliver what they want to deliver so i see art is due to concepts the branding and everything the cosmetics the fancy part about the marketing whereas science is actually how they come in and how to help them to find the right channel and reach the right target so that it becomes faster and quicker to reach them so that's why i don't think there is anything that actually has to, to go away from the traditional marketing but what I do um, articulate is um, there will be more combined usage of both, meaning, you know, um, in the past, maybe people would just look at impression. Now it's not just about impression or how many people view that billboard or that advertisement on the television. Mm. I think now is, yes, that's the number. But what they want is after that, what's next? how mm. you track that number into a revenue number down the funnel that's go back yep. to where we start right so it's about like yes they have to keep but the operation side um, how they track how they make sure every dollar they generate is actually going back to the dollar that in, they invest yeah. that's the one that how the technology can help them to bridge and join the bridge together yeah, right because that has been a question a lot of time when people like you say are investing in a billboard or you know a flagship store they say what's the return on investment you know this is costing us so much money and just having this big sign we don't know if it's making people walk into the store or any of those things so can you maybe expand a little bit as, as to how technology can help in those types of situations? Um, well, in some way, in the past, a science is already doing some work. For example, people will have a sentiment or brand survey in order to understand for their target customers how they feel about the brand, right? But again, this is a very sentimental, I would say. Uh, but right now, what we want is, it's not just about how people feel, but whether they actually will buy. So in branding is um, what we call, you actually consider 
buying it, but also more importantly, is you advocate it. So you're not just buying it. So mm. buying is directly to what you ask about, like how you transfer that impression of a good brand, and therefore you go and buy it. But also you how you actually influence your people or advocate that brand to people outside of yourself. Uh, and ask them to buy this. So all these uh, in nowadays, there are ways that we can track it. Um, so I think this is how. Of course, um, I won't say it is as comprehensive as we want to see, but it is getting in the right direction. And people try to uh, what we call is um, try to get all the insight um, under the omni channel. So even though they are different channel, they try to create mm. same experience, same tracking. Same journey, and therefore they will be able to link them all together. So this is also part of what the technology can help them to do. So it all comes together. Awesome. Um, and what are some of the challenges that you typically face when you're trying to automate marketing or introduce new technology? Um, I think it's change management, right? As what? You. <laughs> I am shocked. I am truly shocked to hear that. Yeah. Well, that's how we met, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's all about change management. I think um, I would say so, um, the first thing I realized most of the time is that cultural shock to mm. the traditional marketer who always thinks what they need to do is make the brand beauty, you know, have that um, brand go out and everything packaged nice, put it nicely together. But at the end of the day, it should be the sales responsibility to sell it. Mm. So it's not the marketing responsibility anymore. It's the sales responsibility. So in the old days when I was doing a sales, it's a very clean cut of what marketing will do and what sales will do. But nowadays it's actually, as I said, like what we discussed about our buying behavior, there is no such fine line anymore because your customer pretty much already influenced by your marketing on the digital side mm. before they come to the sales side. Right? Yeah, and sales need to know about what's happening on the digital side so they can have valuable conversations with their customers and they know what their customers have been receiving as well. So that line becomes more blurred because there's not really a handover point between sales and marketing it's all and I'm doing some gestures with my hands like <laughs> it's all kind of yeah. blended together now correct mm. so that's why I think the hardest one is uh, when I say cultural shock I'm not just talking about to marketing but also to sales so it's really now the technology is um, asking them to come together and work as a team and look at all the strategy that they need to align. So the hardest part will be how that effective and how quick that can come together. And everyone has to realize their own role in the entire journey, but at the same time work together. So I think that's if you can nail that one, you are well, platform-wise, technology-wise, every company almost out there, affordable, all the same, is mm. how you use the technology, how you use your sales team and marketing team come together and leverage the technology to make, to make the magic, right? So this is how yeah. the, the hardest part I will see. And this is also the critical success factor. Yeah, absolutely. And I've done um, a few projects or roles where I've been looking at examples where sales teams are not utilizing technology effectively, such as Salesforce or whatever their CRM platform needs to be. And then because they're not using the technology, they have all these issues with um, data quality, data integrity, so then they can't actually effectively market to their customers. And it's, yeah, this huge cultural capability and behaviour shift that needs to happen mm. that, you know, and it's, I feel like, <laughs> and feel free to shoot me down, Stella, but sales teams, um, 
every time I've come in contact with sales teams, they tend to have the view that they need to go and sell and they don't need to do admin work. Mm. And they tend to view um, platforms like Salesforce or technology as administrative work. So they, you know, often don't want to do that admin. So what would you say to a salesperson who was maybe a bit reluctant to do their Salesforce admin or learn to use Salesforce <laughs> or any CRM system. We're just saying Salesforce because, I mean, it is the kind of market leader and it is, it is the platform that seems to be in place a lot of companies. Yeah, so funny you bring that up. And that's a very good <laughs> question, actually. Um, I mean, you I, could also be asking me that question. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I actually run the first um, Salesforce platform for my company, um, um, the CRM back in 2006. Yeah, we were talking about that the Correct. other day. And that's like so early for Salesforce because I yeah. did a Salesforce implementation at a bank in Australia in 2011 and 2012 and it was brand new in Australia then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, Australia was a bit behind into mm. technology at that time. But now it's just everywhere. Yeah. So if, if um, I actually, at that time, I was the head of sales operation and I have around like 500 users to be on board on that platform. Mm. If you ask me what makes a sales do the right thing, I would say there is one and only one, which is they can achieve their sales target, right? Mm. And I know the fact that for most of the company or the sales leaders or managers, you don't want your sales sitting in the office doing with uh, the CRM inputting data every day. That's not what you want to see. Mm. So uh, if I put my head of a sales operation back again, so I always think... um, Sales is the easiest group of people to work with, in my opinion, because they are very straightforward. And if you will be able to tell them what benefits that you are bringing to them, and therefore they can get their target heat and get more commission, you know, they will just do it. So for me, it's a matter that um, back to my role as a sales operation lead, I never wanted to use a stake because I don't think... Well, you're dealing with the the most smart person in the company, which is the salesperson, right? Agree? Because mm. they can actually sell the stuff. And How they could bring you in revenue, which exactly. is kind of important. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And also, uh, if you have a group of good salesperson, meaning they must be very high ego, self-centered, because they're successful, right? Mm. You want them to be like that. So for me is... I seldomly use a stake approach. I rather use a carrot approach, which mm. is what I say. You need to let them realize and visualize what they're doing. At the end of the day, they can benefit. Mm. And I also agree sometimes you need to look at they being an, an, a user as well. You have to look at their user experience. Sometimes you're just asking for too much. And as a matter of fact, you can't use it as in the CRM. So never over ask because you're not going to use it. And for a, from a roll-up perspective, a change perspective, I'm sorry, I'm talking about change. No, no, no <laughs> this is great. This is a change management podcast, so it's great that we're covering yeah. it off a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So um, from a change perspective, my I really like the fact that um, the agile way, which is mm. you don't launch the full product, you actually give them a taste of success by rolling out so simple and basic functionality and mm. continue rolling on more and more so that you get them on board gradually. I think this is a very, in my mind, I think this is the way that you will become successful because it's really hard to stop in people like, okay, there's 10, 20 things you need to do, but rather you will say, okay, this is the mm. five little things you can do. And then you add on another five, another mm. five, and then you will get a very, very good um, you yeah. know, group of users just because your onboarding process makes them very comfortable. Yeah, and you won't be talking to them about 
the change or the system saying it's coming, it's coming, it's coming because you're trying to make it perfect and you're spending all your time and money on that. And, you know, you don't have that risk of finally implementing it and it's wrong and it's not fit for purpose. You, you Like you say, you can get those users to give you really valuable feedback about what's the next changes and then they become very invested and they'll champion that as exactly. well because they're involved rather than having it done to them. Yeah, exactly. I think get people engaged in the change is very important. I'm sure you agree. I do. <laughs> I do. 100%. 100%. Um, oh, I was going to say something else about change before when you were talking, I'm, but I forgot what it was. It'll pop back into my head in a minute or two. But yeah, absolutely. Um, you do need to get them engaged. And, you know, the MVP approach is one that I like a lot um, because, yeah, you need to start getting information out there, getting a product out there, getting something out there that people can use. If, and, if, and, you know, if you set an expectation that this is not the final product, this is not the final version, people will be okay with that. Yeah. And this is one thing I have learned um, from since I joined Telstra, which is such a big company. Yeah. So um, in the past, yes, I manage a very big team, but then the overall staff is around... A thousand, two thousand versus right now is a lot more, right? So you need to communicate, communicate, and even over communicate. So I think this is another thing that I learned that you have to, you know, advise them is coming. Mm. Now it is coming, and after coming, after it's done, what was next, and mm. you know, get feedback. But I think this is the right way to do. It as we talk, just talk about engagement during the throughout the change process. Then that will be part of the engagement we want to see. The more. The stakeholders have a say in the process. The easier they, you know, they will on board, and mm. because they also feel like this is part of their product, it's not like as you said, you create something and ask them to do it. They are also a creator of the whole process together. Yeah, yeah, like co-designing it. Amazing. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about or plug or advertise? Mm, not Any really. topics you wanted to discuss that you really got a burning passion for that we didn't cover oh, up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing, yeah, um, which um, is about um, my work beside work. So, what is it? As um, I actually, other than just doing my marketing technology lead in Telstra, I'm also um, the program lead for running their foundation in Hong Kong. And that gives me a lot of passions of how a company like us would be able to give back to the community. Mm. I think, um, I know nowadays people do it because of community service, responsibility, things like that. But I think it's not a scorecard from my perspective. So I know many companies do it because they have a scorecard, KPI, and part of their reporting. To me, it's about how you actually pull people together um, employment, employees engagement, again about engagement because you actually um, have some activities that you are not just focusing on making the revenue or the money coming out from the community, but you're looking at how you can pay back the community. Mm. And I think to me, um, Telstra, I would say, has been done really, really well in this space because we yeah. always encourage that. Yeah, and absolutely. Now, yeah, and now I'm new to Singapore and I'm also... Um, just looking at with other colleagues and see how we can do similar thing in Singapore. I know Singapore is such a well-developed company, but often there's still, you know, um, underprivileged com uh, families that need yeah. help. Um, there are still people that struggle, maybe their disabilities. Mm. Uh, and also nowadays, because of the stress, some people, you know, we need mentally to help them. As a company like Telstra, I think the good thing about us, we have the technology and uh, we know technology is not everything, but technology can help something. 
So it's really important how we not just being proud of ourselves, a technology or telecom leader, but at the same time, how we see we used what we learn, what we have to help others to thrive, particularly those um, special need or underprivileged or less fortunate um, person in the community. So this is one bit that I really enjoy working here. Yeah. And so do you think you're going to set something up or look for a role in Singapore to do that sort of work? Yeah, I do actually already sign up to lead the committee here for their foundation or community service. Awesome. Yeah, and I just coming up from um, one of their town hall and uh, ask people to sign up and promote it. And I think um, think about, well, the first one I want to quote is um, like no charity work is bad work, meaning all charity works are good. But for us to be laser focused and creative impact is really how you can have a single theme or a focus for everyone's join hands together and work through it right so that's the first thing we need to come together and look at what are the one thing that we want to do together um secondly is um we can do we can it is not so easy to get people started especially like i went through that process if you have never volunteered sometimes you just don't know what to do with volunteering right yeah or how to go about finding a, the right volunteer role for you or correct will i be able to fit it around my work and you know all of those questions yeah. correct so one of the role that we think is um we need to be a facilitator so we don't want to people feel you know hard to volunteer so we will be able to provide a platform on somehow some channel to facilitate them to do things during their leisure time. So I think being a facilitator in this will be very good, but also the more they're exposed to this world, the more they know what is the best thing they want to do and back to what I say so that we can come together and decide there may be one or two things we want to laser focus on and create the right impact. So this is one of the things on the roadmap that definitely we want to, to look at. So simple thing like, um, like Christmas is coming, Think about when you go shopping for your families, relatives. Yeah. You want to spend like a twenty, thirty dollars just on a simple gift mm. and or a set of stationery. Something, you know, for those um, children, they should be enjoying the same joy as other kids during this moment. But because of you know the family, um, therefore they will not be able to get a toy. So we love mm. always wants to buy simple toys or a new set of stationery for them to start for the new school year I think this is very meaningful and this is very affordable everyone can do it so I think it's a matter that you need to um, offer the you know the low hurdle type of um, activities for mm. people to start doing it yeah. the more they do it the more they gain the experience and therefore they're more confident to do something bigger mm. right so that's how how we decided the, the journey will create for our employees as well I love it um, well, Stella, it's been an absolute blast talking to you today, and I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on Casa de Cambio. No, this is really my pleasure, and thanks for inviting me to do that, and uh, make sure you will send me a copy and we share. And Absolutely. Yeah, and Absolutely. we need to find another topic to do the second podcast. Yeah, I don't know. We'll think about it, and yeah, we'll do a part two next time I'm in Singapore. But thanks again, and yeah, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you spending the time. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. And that wraps up Casa de Cambio for this week. If you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and write a review. Don't forget to check out the sponsor's website, mansawines.com.au. That's a 30% discount for Casa de Cambio listeners.